Welcome to Mental Health in Minutes, where we open the door to conversations about workplace mental health and help leaders and HR professionals create safe and innovative organizations where our employees and our companies thrive. I am your host, Lindsay Recknell, the Psychological Health and Safety Advisor, a workplace mental health consultant, speaker, facilitator, and an expert in hope. Each episode of this show has three objectives, to discuss the future of mental health in the workplace, to identify the best, most successful strategies for opening the door to mental health conversations at work, and to share the top ways we can engage our leadership in the workplace mental health conversation and have them endorse and pay for a positive culture shift within our organization. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that our people need us more than ever, but most of our organizations have a long way to go until supporting employee wellness is embedded in the culture of our workplace. This episode is a resource you can use to start and continue workplace mental health conversations, and my guests will share their experiences and what's worked for them. Today's guest is Michael Varga, an international facilitator with nearly 10 years of experience and the founder of Lead by Impact based in San Diego. Utilizing his master's in clinical psychology, improv, and design thinking, Michael facilitates workshops and speaks to organizations on developing collaborative and productive team cultures. His specialty is supporting teams to solve big problems in a way that is psychologically safe, builds trust, and uses open communication. He has worked with a variety of organizations like Dropbox, Salesforce, Kaiser Permanente, ACLU of San Diego, Evergreen Middle School, the County of San Diego, and many more. I'm excited to hear so much more about this, so let's dig in. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the show. Hey, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I am very excited to have you here. I'm super pumped about all of the alignment we have in our in our work, but more importantly, in our values. And I'm really excited to have other people to hear what it is you have going on. Me too. I, we had such a nice heart-to-heart convo the other day and grateful to be able to speak more about that with you. Yeah, super excited about that. Before we jump right in, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. Uh, Michael Vargas, uh, originally a kid from New York, born in the city, raised outside of it. And what I do is business consulting. So I work with teams to help them be more collaborative and productive. And what I like to say is I make adults play nice with one another. So <laughs> that's a little bit of what I do. Love it. Amazing. Because isn't there that thing that says everything we need to know we learned in kindergarten? Totally agree. Absolutely. <laughs> like just getting to see kids play, you're like, oh, okay, you're going to see how they like interact in the future. Cool. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And if we can all play nice in the proverbial adult sandbox, I feel like we can create psychological safety in our workplaces now. I would agree. It's nice to share toys, get to <laughs> understand each other's toys. Hey, when you play with my toy, this is how I'd like you to play with it, and so on and so on. <laughs> And play and fun and improvisation is a big part of the work that you do. Can you tell us a little bit more about how how you create psychological safety through play with your with your work? Yeah, the so improv is a really amazing tool. I've been doing improv for about fifteen years. I used to teach at an improv theater company in San Francisco, and I would bring my psychology background because I have a master's in clinical psychology to the improv. And what I kept hearing was that people were like, wow, you know how to bring people together where we get out of our heads, we could just be authentic selves. Can you bring this to the corporation? So I got to start doing that. But some of the beauties of improv that I think is just inherent is it's a lot about being with someone in the moment without really an agenda. It's about being really present and here with the person and we get to create something that we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know where this is going to go, 
But what we do know throughout this entire process is I see you, I'm going to support you, you see me, and you're going to support me. And if we work to really just make each other look good, which is one of the tenets of improv, uh, then I think we all get taken care of. So there's a lot of just elements in the, the, the style of improv. And people are like, wait, there's kind of rules to improv? Like you just kind of do it off into the top of your head, which is partially true. But there's a lot of guidelines that really is just inherently about supporting each other, making each other look good and having a lot of fun together. I like that. The rules of improv. I was going to ask you, what are the other tenants? I mean, yeah. So the another one is uh, this, the concept of yes and, right? I think that's a pretty popular one. And in improv, the idea of yes and is I take what you gave me and then I build upon it. So let's say uh, someone says, hey, what a great uh, yellow sweater you have. And you go, no, um, it's blue and it's a t-shirt. Uh, that kind of kills the mood a little bit. Uh, not as fun. As opposed to saying, yes, and it was something that my grandmother gave to me uh, after she came back from the war. Right. So I take what you build upon, or I take what you did, and then I build upon it. I think this is a really lovely rule when working with um, just teams in general. If you take this concept and you can dive it a little bit deeper, where when we talk about the yes part, it's about agreement. But what we can really look at is the yes part is identifying the realities of the situation. What's actually happening in this moment? And let's all get agreement on what that really is. And now that we know the truth of the matter, now we can start building upon upon that with the and part. Brilliant. So this feels like a real important team building kind of exercise. And I, I want to say getting alignment, but I feel like that's not the objective because we don't all have to be aligned on something. We just all have to be present in the moment and acknowledge what's going on. Is that, do I have that right? Yeah, absolutely. Right. It's, it's the idea of like the yes is me understanding what you're saying. Right. Is me fully understanding your perspective. It's us being able to articulate your side of the perspective, my side of the perspective, And we know that that's what's happening. It's not about right or wrong. It's about this idea of what's actually just happening. And we all have different perspectives on what's happening. So we can use that that concept of the yes to really hear one another, to really understand one another, Um, not in a way of defensiveness, not in a way of judgment, not in a way to get over one another, but in a way to see what's actually happening. And then when we have all sides of the story, now we're better positioned to actually do something about it. Mm-hmm. And that's where the mm-hmm. and part comes in. Right. Amazing. So this connects very closely to psychological safety. I feel like what you're talking about is creating a psychologically safe space for us all to kind of coexist and be curious and have compassion for each other. Um, how do you connect the work you're doing to leaders in organizations who don't even know what this concept of psychological safety is and why it even matters? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different ways to do that. Um, Let's just kind of build off of what we're working here with this concept of yes and, right? So, and this is something we actually talked on a little bit earlier, where one of the things that helps create psychological safety for other people is clarity. The ability to know what's going on, to understand what's ha- what happens behind the curtain. A lot of times when decisions come through, 
we don't really understand why. We're just told this is what has to happen and that's kind of it. And so one of the things that we can do or leaders can do to help start bringing psychological safety into the workspace, which the idea of having psychological safety is the ability for allowing people to feel comfortable in the space where they can start sharing ideas, they can share their mistakes, they can just be open enough, which allows the team to be a lot more collaborative, uh, reduces a lot of turnover, helps prevent fires from happening in the background. And so one of the ways that leaders can really try to create a safe space is through vulnerability. And that vulnerability is also tied to that clarity. So when there's like a, a decision that's made, it's oftentimes saying, hey, this is a decision. Now let's just look forward. What a lot of people need in those moments is to understand why is this decision made? What's going on behind the back burner? How is this going to affect me? And so that's a really great opportunity for leaders to be open and honest about what this decision is, why it's made, what they plan with it, who's it's going to affect, and all the elements as to why this decision has come about. And so even that can be feeling a little vulnerable for leaders. And you can allow, as a leader, you can get as deep as you want with that, saying, this, this is something that I'm really passionate about. And you can start even bringing back to your history as to why this matters for you, why this mission matters for you, why do you care about this on a real personal level. So creating that vulnerability also allows the team to get to see you as a leader and gets to see you as a leader demonstrating that it's okay to open up about oneself. And so that gives people permission to start feeling comfortable to share about their own self to share about their own intentions with things so that we can all start having an open conversation. And like we said earlier, this idea of now we're at the, the yes part, where we're starting to get to know what's happening. All things are as clear as possible. And now with that knowing, now I feel more safe and comfortable because I know what's happening on. Now I can figure out how do I show up in this space rather than just being told how to show up in this space. That clarity piece is really, really important. I don't think we don't talk about it often enough. Mm-hmm. You know, we we speak about um, being being clear, which I think is a little bit, you know, it's adjacent to clarity. Um, it's that full understanding as well as just being articulate. Um, somebody, I was talking about this earlier with somebody and she used a quote that said, ambiguity breeds anxiety. Yes. Because if we don't have that clarity, if we're unsure, or if we if we haven't made a decision, right, that is stressful for a lot of people. That that transition is hard to make when we don't know the foundation or the context or the this, the reason behind those decisions. One hundred percent, and it's it's relatively. I mean, I'm not going to say in a vacuum it's going to be easy all the time. Like there's certain things that you can't share. And when there are certain things you can't share, let people know, hey, I can't share this because I'm protecting other people's privacy. I can't share this because you know what? I don't know. And this is my best guess. Um, But even that level of clarity helps with people's minds and bodies and souls at ease. Yeah, so true. So true. Um, I know that storytelling is a big part of kind of one of your values, what you believe in, and also the work that you do with leaders and with with 
colleagues, with teammates. Um, how can leaders use storytelling of maybe of their lived experiences to really bring more of that psychological safety to work? Yeah, um, you know, I want to kind of use a, an example here of something that I, I recently worked on with an organization. So I recently did a training for a very large tech company, uh, had to do multiple trainings a day because we were working with one half of the world and then the evening was the other half of the world. Um, but at the end of one of those, there was a woman that she she waited until everybody left so her and I could talk. And one of the things she shares with me was, hey, thank you so much for talking about this. We were talking about psychological safety and trust. She's like, you know, I've, I've always had a hard time articulating this, but you've helped me understand better of like what's going on. And, you know, one of the things, the challenges that I have is I don't know how to tell other people about the biases they have against me as a woman of color. And I was just so grateful in that moment that she was able to share that with me. And the first thing I told her was, hey, look, as a, as a relatively light-skinned man, I will never know what it's like to go through that ever. But one of the things I do know is that you're not alone in this, that there are so many other people who've had that experience. And so one of the things that I can share with you is what I've seen other people do that they have found to be effective. And she was very excited about that. So I share with her, one of the first things that we can do is instead of telling people how they have biases, to start sharing first how you have biases. And so I shared with her, one day, I'm walking down the road, my head's down, and all of a sudden I hear a loud noise. And I look up, and it's from a car, and there's a gentleman kind of hunched down, turning in the keys, and he looks up, and he's a Mexican man. And there was a part of me, there's a small part of me that there was a, that I thought he was a, a, there was a higher likelihood that he was stealing the car because he looked Mexican. Meanwhile, he looks exactly like my uncle. <laughs> and I share this because we all have biases. Mm -hmm. No one on this planet has no biases. That's, that's never going to happen. But we all have biases. So one of the ways that you can help this other person to be able to receive something that's a little more challenging is by showing up and sharing how it shows up for you first and then having them feel comfortable to share their own biases. And then we can start talking about where else does that show up. And so I think that's just a small example of what leaders can do in tough situations is to explain to them, explain to whomever it is or whatever the situation is, how this affects their life. How does this show up in their everyday life? We're all people at the end of the day. And so how can you relate to this person as a human being by sharing one's flaws that we want to talk about in public? You, you know, sometimes we expect other people to share theirs, but yet we're not willing to share our own. And I think that's a really great way that leaders can use stories, their personal stories, to help create more vulnerability with everyone in the room and also allow for them to create safety because the idea is when we share these stories, it's not about judgment. It's about learning from one another. It's about understanding one another. It's about connecting with one another. I was going to ask you, as a leader, so that feels terrifying. <laughs> to be that vulnerable <laughs> and open feels terrifying to me, you know, because I think like, you know, I well, the, the things going on in my mind are, are 
what if they judge me? What if they think differently of me? What if they, you know, treat me differently? Um, which are probably not what people are thinking at all. And even if they are, those are probably not people I want to hang out with. Um, but if there's others listening to, to our show here who are having those same kinds of thoughts, how might you help them kind of get over that barrier? Yeah. So Lindsay, everything you said is a hundred percent valid, right? Like, <laughs> oh, great. This person's going to think I'm a moron. This person's going to think I'm racist. This person's going to think I'm an idiot. This person and all those things can be true. Like just because we have these thoughts and they're not good doesn't mean we go against them. It's about, no, that's the reality of the situation is people might think those things. So how do we know? So how do we like manage that of like, oh dear God, that feels terrifying to share that. One of the biggest reasons why I was able to share that deeply with her was because she opened up in that way. She afterward, she during it was saying how she she felt so comfortable to talk about this, and she was never able to talk about it before for the for twenty years that she's been working with American companies, and this is the first time that she had the space, felt safe enough to actually talk about this topic. So it can happen in all different ranges and levels. So what I would say is instead of you know bringing out the big guns of saying how I have all these biases and and that could be a scary thing to talk about. Start off small. Start off small. Like, I, you know, with uh, when we first got on, I talked about how I just ate a big bowl of chips. Like, that's not always a great first impression, <laughs> right? But it's a small thing. And then you got to share how much you love chips and that, you know, we might be tired from chips later, but that's okay. Start off small, start off human, get to have those interactions with people, try to understand who this person is and just get to know, okay. So one of the things that like the processes and steps that we can do, like, what does this actually look like? If we want to talk to someone about something that's maybe a challenge or we want to create more vulnerability or create that connection, start off with like just everyday life things. What does this person like to do on the weekends? Uh, what are some of their favorite hobbies? Uh, who's their favorite movie? What are their favorite movies? And so on and so on. Just find those little areas that you can connect. And then with that, when someone shares something that they like, that you like, then you get to share your own personal story of that. Over time, what you can do is then try to have a little bit of a little bit deeper conversation. Share a small thing that maybe you feel might feel judged about or like a little worried, but not the whole kit and caboodle. So I would say the biggest thing is about the levels in which we share And I think that's something, me personally, I don't think everyone gets trust. I think trust is something that's earned. So let's earn it together. That's one of my philosophies around it. Share a little bit, see how they respond. How do they react? If it felt good, share a little bit more. Share a little bit more. Share about maybe like one of your scariest moments as a kid growing up, right? It's in the past. It doesn't really affect you, but yet it's still a little bit more vulnerable, Right, share a movie that might have or a song that emotionally impacts you. Why does it emotionally impact you? So I think you don't have to share the, your deepest, darkest secrets by any means. I do think though we can share a little bit, see how the person responds, and if they're earning our trust, let's share a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And as a leader, that's kind of your role. So as a leader, it's on you to take that first step. And again, as a leader, you don't have to share the whole thing. But share a little bit, 
even just share the idea of how are you doing? I'm having a hard day. Instead of good, great, everything's perfect. Yay, yay, yay. You know, I'm having a hard day. I didn't really get to sleep last night. My kid kept me up all night. Oh, I know exactly what that's like when I had, you know, when my little one was two and so on and so forth. So I think those are the little ways that people can start sharing and be more vulnerable to create more and more vulnerability over time. Um, that's a theme I picked up in there is that time, right? This is not a one and done kind of operation. Yes. Um, and aligning our behavior with what we say is important to us is super key as well. You know, if, if as a leader, we say our door is always open, yet it's actually physically always closed, that is clearly not aligning our behavior with our, with the way that we're speaking. And I feel like sharing stories, um, can demonstrate or can talk out loud how that behavior aligns to our character. I think that's mm-hmm. a really cool way of, of saying who you are as a human, how you, what you value without actually saying, I value this thing, but sharing yeah. that story um, to convey that, to convey that character. Absolutely. And it's the stories where we can connect. Yeah, totally. Where we can relate. And that's what kind of makes it a little bit easier for people Rather than us always talking about this high-level concept of how we should be, it's like, no, here's just a story of how I lived. Yeah, yeah. Um, One of the things I get asked a lot is, how do I open the door to these conversations? You know, it's uh, we know we should talk out loud. We know we should ask for help when we need it. But how do we actually have those conversations? What do we say? Um, and I think using story is a really good way to just carefully open that door, even if it's to reference um, a movie or a news story that you heard or, you know, Simone Biles at the Olympics, you know, all of those kind of relatable um, human experiences that are out there already. It's a nice connection point to open the door to those conversations. A hundred percent. You know, and, and to like, yes, and on that, another like another way you can start presenting those stories too is most companies know how to do surveys, right? So for like the leader or someone else to be able to send out a survey asking a particular question, anonymous survey on what challenges do you face? How could we improve? So on and so forth. And then what you can do as a leader is go over those things and then speak to them in the group meeting, not asking anyone who said what or who said anything, but talk to the stories of your experience with that. Mm. Talk to your stories about, you know what? You're right. We uh, we definitely work way too much here. We are working on average 60 hours and it's exhausting. And I know as a leader, you know, this is from the leader's perspective, that that sucks. And I'm sorry. And I will work very hard to figure out how to do that. I don't know how to do that right now, but I want to work with you all to figure out how to do that. Because I know that I have kids that I'm not getting to spend as much time as I would like with. I'm not getting to uh, go on dinner dates with my wife. And then you get to, again, share the stories. And these are already things that people talked about. And so we can also use that as well as a way to kind of open up the conversations because these are already on top of people's minds. And then... What about the follow through? Because I feel like that's a piece that's missing. We do these awesome surveys. We hear from the people. We we throw these big town halls. We do a press conference and we say, <laughs> we heard you. And I'm going to do something about it. 
And then life goes on. Hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> we hear all you, hear ye, hear ye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's going to be one of the biggest things about when, when we go back to this idea of clarity, of psychological safety, of all that. One of the things that also helps people feel safe, and it's a nuance that I often talk about, is people want to be heard. But what I think people want more of is to be considered. So what does consideration actually look like? And that's something that you need to be clear with your team of talking them through the whole process. Hey, we got your surveys. We identify X, Y, and Z. Here are the steps that we're going to take with X, Y, and Z. After three weeks, we're all going to meet up again and we're going to have another conversation about X, Y, and Z and see how it all felt for you. Or we're going to send out another survey and then we're going to do Y, Z, A. Uh, don't know how that happened, by the way, with the alphabet, but I'm very happy that that did happen. <laughs> so you, so then you talk YZA, and then next week you talk about ZAB, and then ABC. It's, it's creating that clarity up front, letting them know this is what we're going to do to follow through. Because if we don't, that is going to kill the creative, um, kill well creativity, but also the safety. Mm-hmm. That's going to kill people's ability to feel like their voices matter. So why would they even speak at all? So if if you're going to do something like this, make sure that you do follow through. If you can't follow through, but you want to do something, talk to your team about what you can and can't do. Be clear. We don't have a whole lot of money. We don't have a whole lot of time. We want to address this. What are the things that we can start doing? Create that clarity, create that conversation and just be as transparent as possible about about how we're going to keep going through all this and what you can and can't do. And I think too, on that consideration piece and carrying the the idea of of storytelling is after you've done the survey and you've done your rah-rah and three weeks later, you come back to them and say, you know, here's the things I've heard from you guys. Here's the stories I heard. Here's the impact of, you know, this work, our culture, our actions on you guys, because you've been sharing your stories. You know, it's, it's a way for that consistency in messaging. I find also that we get as leaders, as humans, we get super motivated to do the things. And then it feels, again, it feels like uncomfortable or we're starting over or we have to look for a new, you know, rabbit out of the hat to make it, to make it exciting and and cool again. But if we continue with that idea of just keep telling the stories, keep listening for the stories, I think that's a really nice, consistent way to continue adding that clarity and, and, and continuing with that consideration of other people, because that that consistency is going to allow people to keep sharing because they they are now knowing that they're being trusted and that they can trust you to hold their confidence and those kinds of things. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we can also, going back to the concept of yes and, is then you have a story and then how cool it is that you then get to tell the story later, but with a continuation. Okay, we, the original story was this and now we're doing this. And then we were doing this and now we're doing this. To continue that story, mm-hmm. that's something that gets super exciting for people. And that is what creates the culture transformation that we want. That's what we want for the future of our organizations and making conversations about mental health as normalized as any kind of conversation. Because we can all get behind the storytelling. 
Yes, absolutely. And creating that. I, I really appreciate, you know, how you, Lindsay, really focus on that idea of, all right, how do we make sure that we're creating the space for people to feel mentally healthy, mentally strong in the workplace? So that they could show up fully as themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I mean, you and I know we work in this industry. We do this thing all day long. We know how powerful having a safe space is for people to show up as their true selves. We know the ROI. We know the math, right? We know it anecdotally what it means. Um, and it's so, so cool to get to have conversations like this with you to continue to spread this message, you know, to continue to share how it's not easy stuff, but it truly can be simple, you know, mm-hmm. and, and storytelling is one of those simple ways that we can tactically start to do this transformation and really engage with our people in a, what feels like a comfortable way and isn't, doesn't feel hard, right? We don't want to feel like it's hard work. And this is a nice easy way to open the door to that conversation. So, And allowing people to feel more and more comfortable. The more stories that you share, the more that, you know, it's the sharing of the stories and then also the kindness and the non-judgment after the stories and the support after the stories. That's what helps, you know, run, get that train moving is that we tell these stories. Oh, I told this story and, and no one's like telling me I'm dumb. Okay. Oh, wait, people are like saying that they connect to that. Oh, Okay cool. Now I can feel comfortable sharing more. And then that relieves stress. You know, instead of people having to fight back and like bite their their lip about things that they want to say, it creates so much more ease for people. And that's going to have so much lovely return on the back end for them emotionally and for the organization. Yeah. Amazing. Love it. This conversation has been so, so good. I can't even believe that we've come to the end of our time together. I could keep storytelling forever. <laughs> like what I, did I had like, I had like 20 stories I wanted to say, but hold back. <laughs> That's right. That will save that for the next episode. Uh, it has been such a pleasure connecting with you and hearing uh, how you work with people and just what your values are and to hear how you connect your behavior and how you show up with, with those values. So thanks for taking the time with us today. Oh, thank you so much, Lindsay. And again, thank you so much for creating the the space and the 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 means in which we can have these conversations so that other people can have these conversations and feel that connection. So thank you for allowing me to be a part of that. And can you tell others how we can get a hold of you when they've yes. been inspired by your greatness? Yes, why thank you so much. <laughs> uh, yeah, so you can head out to my uh, my my website at leadbyimpact.com. And what I also have for for your people is um, a little bit of a resource. It's basically an infographic that gives you very broad general understanding of psychological safety, some of the research, some of the basic steps. So you can go to leadbyimpact.com forward slash info, I-N-F-O. So again, it's just like a, a simple infographic to give you a general sense of psychological safety. Amazing. We will absolutely link to all of those places in the show notes. Um, And again, just thank you very, very much for being here. And I look forward to continuing the conversation. Me too. Thank you, Lindsay. Take care. Thank you for listening to another episode of Mental Health in Minutes. On this show, I talk a lot about how to lead from a place of authenticity. And I loved Michael's perspective on using storytelling as a way to break down some of those barriers that pop up when we think about opening ourselves up to others. It can feel terrifying, but this tactic of storytelling, along with his improv techniques of curiosity and 
yes and, feel simple enough and I can see how they would be powerful in practice. Michael and I both believe in the power of our leaders to create psychologically safe workplaces and we know you do too or you wouldn't be listening to this. If you loved this episode, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcast player. You can find this everywhere at Mental Health in Minutes, as well as on the web at mentalhealthinminutes.com. The thing we do best at Mental Health in Minutes is open the door to conversations about mental health at work. And episodes like this give us real things we can try to truly make a difference. I know you're making a difference in your workplace, or you'd really like to be, or you wouldn't be listening to podcast episodes like these ones. I'd love to help accelerate your impact at work help you really move the needle on mental health maturity in your workplace and get people to a place where they're feeling less stressed, more fulfilled, and able to integrate work and life in a way that works both for them and for you and your organization. Being a people leader is especially hard right now. You might feel like you're managing both up the corporate ladder and down. And at the thought of figuring out how to best support your people and yourself, it must feel overwhelming and impossibly hard. Let me help you by doing the heavy lifting with resources and materials, along with training and facilitation. And you can get back to doing what you do best, engaging with and supporting your people. I have many ways to support you from full service hands-on to guidance and support from afar with a hands-off approach. So let's chat about what works best for you and your people. As always, I'm here if you need me.